It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Uh, the summer months, well, we know, are blockbuster movie season, and, and where we are entertained by larger-than-life heroes like Captain America, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Star Trek series, you name it. Um, you know, some of the superheroes have supernatural powers. Some have technologically advanced gadgetry. Others have a fortitude that's really just founded on an otherworldly kind of faith, but all have a common thread. They are willing to risk their lives, put themselves in the face of danger, even sacrifice themselves to save their friends, the family, and of course, the world. If this sounds familiar, it should, especially if you're a Christian, which is the point of Dr. Frank Turek's new book, Hollywood Heroes, How Your Favorite Movies Reveal God. Dr. Turek writes, um, in the movies, the hero normally rescues innocent people from some kind of external evil. In this real world, God does that and more. He also rescues guilty people from their own evil, even evil directed at God himself. And Dr. Turk joins me now. Welcome, Frank. How you doing? It is so great being with you, Lauren. And thanks for endorsing the book. You, 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 you've had it for several months. So thanks for yeah. doing that. Well, you know, you were just, this book was always what I thought about in movies. And I kept telling people, when they would see movies like, you know, Batman or Captain America, Iron Man, all of these, they're very much like the, the Christ story, the gospel story. And I, people couldn't understand. They, they kind of got it, but they didn't get it. It's like, you know, everybody wants a hero. You know, I need a hero. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's true. It's it's. It's embedded in these films that are even made by non-Christians. I might even say some anti-Christians make these movies, Lauren, but they can't help putting the Christian truths of sacrifice and salvation in these movies because deep down, that's what most of us really want. We want to be transported from this world of pain, evil, and suffering to a place where there will be no pain, evil, and suffering. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us and will ultimately do when he comes again. Well, this is the grand narrative, and people talk about grand narrative, narratives, but I, you know, you and I have you know, studied enough of the, the Bible, and you, of course, are an apologetics expert and um, I've written several books, and but this is the the Bible is the grand narrative of human existence, and so when you see movies that show this sort of sacrifice to save others, you realize it's embedded in people's hearts. It, it really is. is. Yeah, he's written you know? eternity on our he's written eternity on our hearts, as uh, Ecclesiastes says. And it comes through in the stories that we tell. And in this book, Hollywood Heroes, we, we look at seven movie franchises. You mentioned a few of them already. Captain America, Iron Man, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Batman, and Wonder Woman. We also talk a little bit about Superman and Spider-Man as well. Yeah. And, and, and they all point, Lauren, to the ultimate hero. The ultimate hero is right. Jesus of Nazareth. So the last chapter is about 
the ultimate hero. And all of these heroes in some way point to the ultimate hero. And this is a great way I think parents can actually give theology and biblical life lessons to their kids without sounding all preachy all the time, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like they're, they're watching, they're watching, they don't understand. You get, you know, let me tell you about the source material from which this comes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, you know, it seems that, you know, it seems like a fun way to get people, young people to get introduced to their faith. Um, or reintroduced to their face, really. But but there's something very serious at stake. And you write, this is why I want to read what you wrote. He says, you are in a war for the souls of every human being, including your own. We're all looking death in the face, and we need to take action now before it's too late. Explain that more. Well, we're here to make a choice, ultimately, whether we're going to follow God or we're going to run from God. Those are the two choices we have. Now, none of us can make it to God on our own because God is infinitely just, and all of us have been unjust at some point in our lives. We're unjust every day, actually. So if an infinitely just God exists, and he does, how am I going to stand up on judgment day to that infinitely just God. I can't. I need to have a substitute come in and take my place and take my punishment on himself in order for me to pass from death into life. And that's what Jesus does for us. That is the ultimate reason we're here is to make that choice and then become more and more like Christ, to know God and to make him known. That's really the purpose of life. That's one of the issues, though, with the movies is that it's hard to make that jump from seeing superhero to mm-hmm. understanding the gospel. I mean, you you said it yourself. You know, it's not possible to for us to reach God on our own. It's just not possible. How and the, yet the movies make it seem as if it is. They, they the movies sometimes, even though there is this sacrificial character, the superhero who puts himself in the, or herself in the line of fire to save others. Um, how do you make that leap? How does someone make that leap? to understanding the gospel if they've never heard the gospel. Yeah, it might be that you don't understand the gospel completely without the Bible. You're just not going to watch a movie and necessarily get it. But once you have that background knowledge in your head, then things are going to pop out uh, in your mind when you see them on the big screen. In fact, I know a lot of Christians, uh, Lauren, have been have kind of had an allergy to the to the uh, Harry Potter series. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because of the wizardry involved. Right, but it's, right. It, it's interesting that the same Christians don't have an allergy to Lord of the Rings and <laughs> and the Chronicles of Narnia, which all have similar wizardry. In fact, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, which Christians love because it was made by a Christian, made by Tolkien, was a devout Catholic. Right. They right. don't have any problem with that kind of wizardry. But somehow when it comes to Harry Potter, they have a problem now that the kind of wizardry in the Harry Potter series is invented. It's 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 not real wizardry in the sense that. It's the stuff that, that the Bible's telling you to stay away from. This is all hocus pocus stuff that comes right out of J.K. Rowling's mind. She wasn't. She doesn't think this stuff is real. It's fantasy. Anyway, when you look at, say, the Harry Potter series, he mm-hmm. has more in common with Jesus than virtually any other character that we cover in the book Hollywood Heroes. For example, here really? Why? Oh, that, that's very interesting. Explain that. Yeah, there are four things, Lauren, that, that Harry Potter does in, in the series, in the books, in the movies. Number one, he's prophesied to be the savior before he was born. There you Se- go. Yes. Secondly, <laughs> that's a big one. he has to live a moral life in order to be the savior. Thirdly, he sacrifices himself and dies in order to protect his friends. And then fourthly, he rises from the dead to defeat the Satan figure Voldemort. 
And then everyone has to put their faith in him to ultimately do that. Now, does this sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds real familiar. <laughs> in, in fact, but it, didn't J.K. Rowling actually, didn't she actually get some of that? She admits she get, got some of that from the New Testament. Oh, totally. In fact, what she said was, she, first of all, she said the whole series can be epitomized by two Bible verses. One is the final enemy to be destroyed is death. That's from 1 Corinthians 15. And the second is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And that's from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 21. And she said, I did not want to make a big deal out of any of this because I didn't want my readers to be tipped off as to where I was going. <laughs> She's basically using the Bible in order to write this fantasy story. And and if, if, if you, I, I always tell people, if you like Harry Potter, you're going to love Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus actually is the perfect Harry Potter. You know, he's the one that comes and saves us. Yes, he's prophesied just like Harry is. Yes, he has to live a moral life just like Harry. Yes, he has to die and rise from the dead just like Harry, except he really does it in the real world. You know, one of the things you brought up about uh, your heart, and I think this is very interesting what you said about Iron Man, because Iron Man is like, wait a second, this is a boozing, you know, self selfish, you know, playboy who, you know, does have a transformation. Yes. But there's something else you said about Iron Man that I thought was really, really, really interesting. And this is one of those little details that you don't understand unless you really understand the Bible, which is this device he has implanted around his heart to keep shrapnel from approaching his heart, right? Yes. And you said... It's like the Bible verse that says, guard your hearts. It doesn't say, the Bible verse, everybody wants to um, follow their heart, right? Follow their yeah, heart, yeah, you see? Yeah. And this is a really subtle difference. Oh, yes, it is. You might miss unless you understand the gospel and what's written in the Bible. That's right. I always tell people, Lauren, that I think right now in our culture today, the most important Bible verse particularly for young people, comes from the Old Testament, other than the gospel itself. This is the second most important Bible verse in the entire Bible for today's culture. It, it's Proverbs 4.23, and it says this, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. It doesn't say follow your heart. It says guard your heart. Look, if your kids follow their hearts without moral restraint, they're going to wind up lost, confused, and full of anxiety, as Tony Stark initially was. But what happens to Tony? He guards his heart and he's ultimately transformed from a selfish playboy, as you put it there. He was an amoral <laughs> arms dealer, as you know, into the hero known as Iron Man who sacrifices himself to save the world. That also sounds familiar, doesn't it? He sacrifices yeah. himself to save the world. So we need to guard our hearts and we need to get this lesson to our kids. And you can do it by watching Iron Man, of all things. <laughs> but you kind of have, have have a tutorial next to you when you watch Iron Man. I mean, I, I see it, you see it, because you know the gospel. Uh -huh. But if you don't know the gospel, I mean, it's so easy to be un, you know, really kind of be blinded by it, don't you think? True, but think about it this way, Lauren. At the end of Endgame, which is the final big series where all the Avengers take on Thanos, and that's where Tony Stark actually sacrifices himself to save the world. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Tony, instead of taking on Thanos, at, at, that, at that critical point said to his Avenger buddies, suppose he said, hey, guys, you know, I, I'm not going to take on Thanos. You know what I need to do? I need to get back to following my heart and taking care of just me. I need to put myself number one. You guys take them on. I'm out. 
What do you think? Do you think anybody would be enchanted with a story like that? No, No. we'd all go. What a terrible movie. This is not this is awful. I don't want to see this. But when we see somebody literally sacrificing themselves to save others, we're enchanted by it. Well, guess what? That's reality. That's what Jesus did for us. And once we understand what Jesus did for us, we can love God and therefore then love one another. I want to take a break right now here on on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with Dr. Frank Turk. And we'll be right back. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And we're back with Dr. Frank Turk, who has a new book, Hollywood Heroes, How Your Favorite Movies Reveal God. One of the things, um, listen, Captain America to me is the most obvious because yes. one, he, he doesn't, he actually, he actually is from an era where they actually believed in God. And he talks about, and you know, he, he actually says in the movie, you know, when what the, this Black Widow character says, you know, oh, these guys are practically gods. You want to stay out of this fight. And he says, um, there's only one God and they don't wear clothes like that or something like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. He is a great character. Because unlike Tony Stark, who needs a lot of moral development, uh, mm-hmm. Captain America doesn't need any moral development. Will Rogers will jump on a grenade for you at any point, right? You never have to worry about what Captain America is going to do. Is he going to make the right choice? Is he going to be good or is he going to is he going to be selfish? No, he's always going to make the right choice. And of course, this is a parallel, of course, to Jesus, that Jesus is always going to make the, the right choice. Jesus doesn't need any moral development. Neither does Captain America. Now. Captain America is not morally perfect. He still has some issues, right? He can still be a stickler and too self-righteous. But when you look at the ultimate hero, Jesus, he has things that other people don't have, Lauren. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you look at the ultimate hero, Jesus, Jesus has qualities that you won't see in anybody else, qualities that appear to be at odds with one another. Like, for example, he is completely holy, but he's also approachable. Mm. Right. He is completely confident, but he's also humble. He is completely mission focused, but he's also loving. I I don't know anybody in my life who holds those two or those opposing qualities in in perfect tension like Jesus does. Oh, absolutely. But I want to bring up something else because Uh I was thinking like what there is. You're bringing up really basically how these movies are unlike the gospel, yes. unlike Jesus. I mean, I'm looking at Hebrews 12, 2, which I was reading this morning. It says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who right. for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, see, that was the, also the difference is that there was no glory on display when he saved the world. There was, you yes. know, it was shameful. That's right. Um, and, and, and no one was thanking him. You know, I mean, no one was applauding him. Instead, they were always saying crucify him. So this is the difference, I think, between the superheroes we love and the Jesus we're kind of like unsure about. Like, I love Jesus, but like I'm not I, it's really it's because there's no soundtrack. There's no, you know, triumphant music surrounding, you know, the gospel. Um, there's no blowing up. <laughs> That's right. No, you know, it's hard to kind of get the same focus that, that, that um, on Jesus as we do on someone like a Captain America or Iron Man. You we're, know? Just, we're just going to have to rely on Mel Gibson to do that, 
right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the passion had a lot of people repent when they saw it. And I know he's working on, I think he's calling it the resurrection. I don't know when that's coming out, but that would be quite interesting. But you're right. These, these movies dramatize everything. And th- that's why, as George Barna found, the Christian pollster, you know what, you know what he found, mm-hmm. Lauren? He found that young people get their theology more from movies than they do from the pulpit. Oh, I, I totally agree. I it, absolutely agree. You don't even need a poll for that. I mean, it's right. just, I get, I mean, I, I remember the movie Noah came out and, you know, you and I were thinking, what does this have to do with the biblical story of Noah? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, and all these young people thought this was the story of Noah in the Bible. And I remember uh, a friend of mine said to me, well, now what, what did it, what did it get wrong? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the better question is, what did they get right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I, you can't rely on Hollywood to give you always good theology. But where you can, you should point it out. If kids are getting their theology from movies more than the pulpit, then why not sit down with them, watch some of these movies and point out what the movies get right? And that's what we try and show in the book Hollywood Heroes. And, you know, there's a, there's a new documentary out um, that accuses Marvel of anti-Christ agendas. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Marvel and DC's War on God. Now, now part of the press release, I'm just going to read this, and I haven't seen the documentary. I haven't even interviewed the people. I just want, and this is just, you know, the headlines here. Um, it says, many leading comic book writers have admitted that they are using seduction, manipulation, the occult, and even the Bible to influence children to view the God of the Bible from a twisted slant. Isn't there a danger in this um, from these movies, I mean, that they're bringing out here? Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, I, I I haven't seen their book or their vi- or video either. I'm not saying that everything in all these movies actually is right and true, but I'm saying that even first of all, let, 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 let's point out there are a couple of movie series that were made with Christianity in mind. Ironically, Harry Potter is one of them, even though Christians had an allergy to it. In my view, mm-hmm. they, they, they misinterpreted what the, 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 the wizardry was, because I said earlier, they don't have any problem with the wizardry in Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Right, and, the right. other, and the other great uh, movie series is Lord of the Rings. So those two had Christianity in mind. Even those movie makers, however, Lauren, who are anti, even anti-Christian, as I said earlier, they can't help putting things in that correspond to the Christian worldview because it appeals to our deepest intuitions and hopes and desires. So where they do that, you ought to point it out. You know, uh, Batman is one of those heroes that kind of evolved in the movies from being, you know, the cheeky kind of TV series, you know, Batman and Robin. Yeah, Yeah. Pal Biff, yeah, right, right. Um, And then, you know, Michael Keaton came on, uh, did the first movie with Jack Nicholson, and he really created a Batman that was more troubled, you know, more, you know, like you you saw that he was created through the tragedy and trauma of of somebody um, killing his mother for just, you know. Yeah, his parents. Yeah, both of them. His parents, so. But how does Batman figure into that? I mean, he just seems to be a sort of troubled soul, and he never seems to get out of that. Yeah, and he is. It's a good question, and that's what we we cover in the chapter on Batman and Hollywood heroes. We point out that Batman has the most realistic worldview communicated uh, in those movies than almost any other movie we look at because notice how Batman – 
is just locking up bad guy after bad guy every night in Gotham, and he can never take a rest, Lauren. Why can yeah. he never take a rest? Because no matter how many people he locks up, human nature is such that he's fighting an ultimate losing battle. He's never going to create utopia here on Earth by locking bad people up. Why? Because we're all bad. Because we all have a bad streak. Because we are all bent toward evil. So he never wins. He can never take a vacation. And it just goes to show you that human nature is what it is. And, and look, even law enforcement in the real world. They can't create utopia. All they're trying to do is they're trying to limit, they're trying to tamp down evil. That's what laws do. It was James Madison who famously said, if men were angels, no government would be necessary, right? We, we, need, yeah, yeah. We, we need a police force, despite the fact that people out there are saying defund the police. What a, what a harebrained idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're from Minneapolis. I was just up yes, there. The whole yes. place, there's a whole area there that's just, it's wrecked. Because oh, I know. It's the neighborhood that I grew up in. The, the, yeah. the bank that I used to um, frequent is all burned out. I mean, I'm so glad my mother passed away in, in October. And I'm actually almost grateful that she I know I no longer have to worry about her, you know, in the neighborhood anymore because of how much it's, you know, devolved into this sort of mess. You know? it's, it's tragic. I mean, but Batman has the right view of human nature and it's communicated. The other thing that Batman does, Lauren, which is really interesting how many movies do you know actually bring up theological questions? Because in the movie Batman versus Superman, one of the greatest theological questions ever is explicitly brought up by Lex Luthor, who is is trying to pit Batman against Superman. He says, if there is a good God, why is there evil in the world? Right, exactly. He you brings know? up those that, that deep theological question yeah. that everybody has. Yeah, and it's great, too. Here's the interesting thing. Lex Luthor, the, the reason it's Batman versus Superman is because Lex Luthor thinks that Batman, who's the god of his world, was a bad god because Superman didn't stop Lex Luthor's father from abusing him when he was a child. So he said, Superman's a bad mm. guy. He needs to be taken out. So he pits Batman against Superman. That's the kind of the big plot here. But notice this, Lauren. Nobody or Lex Luthor is mad that God didn't stop his father from doing evil to him. But notice that Lex Luthor is not mad that God hasn't stopped him, Lex Luthor, from doing evil to other people. Right. Do you, do you think that's a problem with the writers who don't really understand the theological basis of it? Or do you think it's just or do you think they really do understand it and they just wanted to create this character um, that would just do evil for any reason. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's 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 on their hearts. I just like it that a movie is bringing up this issue because it's great. It's a great point of conversation you can have with your kids or your friends. If there is a good God, why is there evil? And and here's the answer. Of course, is because God allows evil because He has to allow free will if we're going to have love. If we don't have if we don't have free will, we can't love. The problem is we can use our free will for evil as well. But evil doesn't disprove God. It actually shows that God does exist because evil wouldn't exist unless there was good and good wouldn't exist unless God existed, not in an objective way anyway. So evil doesn't disprove God. Evil may prove there's a devil out there, but it doesn't disprove God because you would need a standard of good to even know what evil was. And what we mean by God is the objective standard of good. Now, the interesting thing I always ask people about this is we're, we're just like Lex Luthor yeah, in, right. in, the, in the sense that we say, hey, God, 
why don't you stop him from doing evil? Or why don't you stop her from doing evil? You know what we never say, Lauren? We never say, hey, God, why don't you stop me from doing evil? Mm. I, I always ask people, I wow. say this, look, if God, if God were to stop evil tonight at midnight, would you still be alive at 1201? Uh, I'm going to just say no. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be, right? I'm just going to say no, because I just know what I did this morning. <laughs> Well, what Batman deals with that question directly. And so we unpack it in, in great detail in the chapter in Hollywood Heroes. I, I mean, I love Batman. I was one of the, you know, I love the, the music too. I just love, you know, all of the, the, the movies. And um, I'm wondering why you didn't actually like do something like Independence Day. It's not, it's not a franchise franchise, but Independence Day has some, one of the, some, the similar themes to it, you know, that it takes, somebody's got to sacrifice in order to save the world. Right. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, the reason we couldn't do that is because my son, who is the real movie buff, knows all the movies that are in our book, but maybe not those. <laughs> so <laughs> we also left out like Chronicles of Narnia, you know, there, right. there were movie franchises that maybe we'll do a second edition. We didn't. We didn't do much about Thor. We didn't do. We did a little bit about Spider Man, but not. You can't do everyone. So maybe in a, yeah. in a future book we'll do it. Well, Thor has incredible theological themes running oh, through yeah. it because Thor is the the god of thunder in the, like the German mythology. That's right. You know, I mean, so it definitely has you know the sort of spiritual themes to it. And not only that, they do bring it out in the original movie of Thor and what Thor is about. And, and he does have this sort of resurrection kind of element to it in the first movie where he is, he's stripped of his power. And then of course it returns um, later. You know, one of the things I want to bring up the, the Lord of the Rings, this is yes. very interesting because Lord of the Rings written by J.R. Tolkien, who actually brought C.S. Lewis to faith. That's right. Who wrote the Narnia Chronicles and of course, Mere Christianity and some other books. And, but you know, one of the things I thought about in, in, in those two movies, except I think Narnia, you can, it, the first one, the line which in the wardrobe, I think the Christian message is much more um, obvious rather mm -hmm. than in, in Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings is, I think, like I say, you might not know the Christian theme running through it unless you understood Tolkien and understood right. and understood the Christian message. You know, it's yes. not as obvious. No, it's not. But Tolkien didn't want a straight allegory like Chronicles of Narnia or Pilgrim's Progress. He wanted it to be much more subtle, but he admitted, quote, that Lord of the Rings is a fundamentally religious and Catholic work. And mm. and what I think one of the best lessons for kids in Lord of the Rings is that the heroes of the story, Lauren, are are the weakest characters in the in the entire story. For example, yes. Sam and Frodo are three foot hobbits who must rely on others to get the ring through Mordor. Look, they're, they're weak, they're bullied, but they have the humility to continually ask those who are stronger and wiser than them for help. And the lesson, of course, is young people should, should do that as well. When you ask your parents or God for help, although you're weak, you become strong. This is what Paul says, right? Mm -hmm. in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Why is he saying that? Because when I'm weak, I have to depend on God. And, and, and that's, that's where Tolkien's true Christian colors come through. All the weak characters are the characters that actually get the job done. And when you look at the Bible, there's so many weak characters that God uses. You know, Peter, he denies Christ three times. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He runs away at the crucifixion. And yet Peter is, you know, <laughs> the leader of the disciples, right? 
Mark, Mark, uh, you know, he can't even complete a missionary journey with Paul. Paul won't take him on the next missionary journey, but he writes a gospel. Matthew is a tax collector. Nobody likes him. He writes a gospel. John is a teenager when he's with Jesus, but he writes a gospel as well. I mean, there's so many weak characters. Uh, Mary Magdalene, she's a formerly demon-possessed woman, yet she's one of the first to witness Jesus resurrected from the dead. God uses the weak, and he can still use it today. And that really is all through at least the ones who really understand the Christian message. Um, the Hollywood superhero you know, version is, is a little bit far from that. But I also, since you mentioned Peter, um, I want to read something I thought was interesting in 1 Peter 1.8, and I, because it really gives the hope that you can see through this. It uh-huh. says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I think that's what every heart kind of starts to look at when, when the superhero be, is true to a superhero status. You know, there's yes. a secret desire to find that joy that only Christ can give. Yes. And, and in fact, Lewis said something else related to that that I think is very profound, um, Lauren, when he said that if I have a desire for something that this world can't give me, the most logical explanation is that that I was made for another world. Yes. You know, we, we all have these glimpses of heaven, as Lewis put it, these little things that happen in our lives that give us a glimpse of what we were made for. It gives us a little glimpse of, of uh, heaven, if you will. You know, there's a uh, a, a beautiful scene you see or a, a relationship that you have or a sunset or something that takes you back to your childhood for a moment. And you, you just have this this split second of of joy that you go, I was made for this. Where is this? And yeah. Lewis is saying y- you're made for another world. And, and, and Peter's saying the same thing. Look, uh, it's common among theologians to say that joy is here and Christ has already come, it's already, but it's not yet. What does that mean? Christ has already accomplished what will bring us into joy, but we're not going to get completely there this side of heaven because he's still waiting for the full number of Gentiles to come in before he comes to close the book on this universe. And until then, we're co-laborers with him to bring his kingdom in, but we're still going to experience pain. We're going to still experience suffering. We're still going to experience death unless he comes back before we die. Yet joy is guaranteed. You know, in a way, in a way, I, I, maybe these movies are laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. real understanding of the gospel to help bring people back in. And your book will help do that, to understand it's like, hey, really understand what these movies are actually talking about in terms of what your heart is truly looking for. That's that's our hope. You know, there's so much bad coming out of Hollywood, Lauren, but when yeah. good when good comes out of it, we ought to use it for good. Just like Paul, by the way, used the stories of Greek poets when he's trying to convince the Athenians when he's in Athens that's recorded in Acts 17. He's quoting their movies, if you will, back to them in order to say, here's our common ground. And now, um, we're going to do the what, same thing. One of the things that, I mean, obviously, what are the movies coming out this summer that, mm-hmm. I mean, do you understand any preview of any movies that are coming out this summer that might actually further this sort of gospel-laden kind of, um, you know, 
revealing God in some of the more subtleties and, and the, the, the general themes of the movies. Well, actually, there was one that just came out just a month or two ago, the newest Batman. Here, uh-huh. here's, check this out. Here's how the end of this, this is the end of the movie, the last thing Batman says, or almost the last thing he says. He says this, Lauren. He says, vengeance won't change the past, mine or anyone else's. I have to become more. People need hope to know someone is out there for them. Do you know what, what Batman is acknowledging here? He's acknowledging the deep hope that most of us have that someone is out there for us. And thankfully, there is someone out there for us. The Savior came first as a sacrifice, and when he returns, it will be as king. And I think that's such good news that even Hollywood can't avoid retelling it in their own stories. In fact, wow. Lord of the Rings, by the way, the last, the last uh, movie and the last book is called Return of the King. That's what it's about. The king's coming back. Wow. Wow. Okay. Again, the book is called Hollywood Heroes, How Your Favorite Movies Reveal God. I would encourage everybody to read it before you see some summer blockbuster movies or before you put in, uh, you know, on demand some of those uh, movies that have already been out for years. Dr. Frank Turek, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for reading the book, endorsing it, and uh, talking about it today. It's a great blessing. Oh, it's a great blessing to me, too. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.